Hello team and welcome to episode 433 of the Simply Fit podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Lee Marson. Lee is a personal trainer with over eight years of experience working with busy professionals who are resistant to working out. Lee's journey started from a love of training himself, which then evolved into a love of helping others to burn body fat, get into their best shape, and helping them work on their mindset in the process too. In this episode, you can expect to learn why Lee is such a big fan of intermittent fasting for both himself and his clients, how to commit to a long journey after the initial results are over, along with Lee's perspective on the importance of mindset during your journey. So without further ado, Lee Marson. Show. How are you today? Man, Elliot, I'm doing great, brother. How are you? I am glad to hear it. I am very well. Thank you so much for asking. I am very much looking forward to our conversation today as well. But before we do dive into it, can you give the listeners a bit of context about who you are and what it is that you do? Yes, sir. Name is Lee Mawson. I have been weightlifting for 17 years. I own a corporate wellness company called Elufit. It's Enhanced Living Unlimited. And ultimately, what we do is we give people real practical health tactics to get them super healthy, man. We average 25 pounds of fat loss and it's amazing. We provide our accounts, our companies, custom meal plans, custom workout plans. We have coaching accountability through the whole process. It's amazing. Yeah, it sounds pretty damn amazing. And what got you started in that world in the first place? Man, fitness has been something I've always been super passionate about. Like even when I was a kid, I wanted to be Superman. You know, so I was always doing push-ups and pull-ups and trying to do a bunch of advanced body weight stuff. And it's something I've always loved. I've always considered myself kinesthetically intelligent, you know, being able to move through space. Always the most athletic one in sports. And, you know, I just began to realize that fitness is a gateway for everything else. You know, if somebody has the discipline to push through a little bit of pain physically, then more than likely they can put they can handle stress better. And they can push themselves beyond the edge of what they thought they could just because they're able to push themselves physically. So it's something I've always loved, man. I would say that one difference between training yourself as an individual and then there's a big difference between training other people as well. Did you find that the passion carried over in the same way? Because I know I started my journey personally as someone who loved to work out, who loved to train. And then obviously when I started training other people, that's a whole different ball game. And I find that a lot of people do get started because if they love to train themselves, then they quickly realize that it's not quite the same when they're training another person. Yeah, yeah. When I first started personal training, I realized very quickly that 40-year-olds cannot train the same as 22-year-old Lee Mawson. You know, like I learned very fast, like I didn't know anything, you know, because then, you know, you read about it in a book of people having a bad back and stuff. But then when you actually work with somebody firsthand, they may have, you know, spinal stenosis and, you know, a messed up L5S1. And it's like, bro, we can't squat. We can't even do hip thrusters like they have some real like real serious things and that's when i really buckled down it was like all right man i gotta like really learn this stuff so i can provide my clients with the best possible service that i can so yeah there's a massive difference in you know training myself lee no very few people can actually train with me and then actually training 
another person. One, they just don't have the the threshold. Like their body just can't handle enough stress to do it. So I'd say that the biggest takeaway I learned was where is that fine line of pushing somebody to create the adaptation, you know, to build dense bones, to build the, the connective tissue resiliency, to build muscle, but not go too far. And then that way they're not crippled for a week, which is what a lot of novice trainers will do the first time they get into the gym with people. Yeah, no, it definitely makes a lot of sense. It's in today's podcast, what I want to do mainly is I want to do a real deep dive on the fat loss side of things. I think that we're going to branch out into the mindset and also other areas of health as well. But it's been a while since we've kind of talked shop on all things fat loss. So I want to get started with the 25 pounds on average that you lose with your clients. What is it about the system that you're using that allows people to drop those 25 pounds? Because when you think of it, it's a pretty life-changing amount for many, many people. You know, some people do have 50, 75, 100 pounds to lose, but 25 pounds, just about anyone who goes through that is going through a pretty incredible transformation. Wouldn't you agree? Bro, it's life-changing. Literally, like people are blown away. We've had people, grannies, I've worked with that have been on type two diabetic medication. We've got them off their medication. I've had multiple people lose over hundred pounds. Just had a guy in four months, lost 65 pounds. Got another guy coming up on 50 pounds in about 12 weeks. But the key, what we do, man, is we make it sustainable for people. We simplify it so well that they can actually do it. Like that's really the key. And what I've done and what I've learned over the years in terms of losing weight, you know, let's just talk like broad stroke overview. It's calories in, calories out. Like that's kind of the, the top of the line. You know, if somebody doesn't know how to track calories, then they're never going to lose weight. So we teach, first of all, we provide them with a meal plan based on the foods that they already like to eat. Like I just had a ladies, like I like to eat pizza, burgers. I'm not eating salads. I'm like, all right, that's cool, whatever. And I just provided her with the numbers, with the meals. I gave her the meals and I make the numbers according to her goals. And she lost six pounds in her first week eating, you know, nachos and cheeseburgers and pizza. So the thing is, the, is we make it sustainable. And then we actually teach people how to count their own calories accurately. Most people are counting, but they're completely off. Like they're actually... Counting calories is way harder than people think it is. Like they don't, if you're not like, if you don't have a scale and you're not like being very meticulous about it, then that one tablespoon of peanut butter is easily two and a half, you know, and then you get into your little sugary drinks that just spikes insulin, which takes you out of ketosis and fat burning. So we make it sustainable. Like that's the real key. We give them the tools to when they work with us and then if they're no longer working with us and they can continue to lose weight on their own because it's not going to change. You know, once they learn the skills, then they're going to have it forever. So do you think that's a large part of why people are still struggling to lose weight? Because we live in an age of so much information. I imagine when you got started and especially when I got started as well, I was mainly looking in like men's health magazines, a few bodybuilding.com forums and stuff like that. But realistically, there wasn't an enormous amount of information compared to what there is today. Yeah, I would say the struggle to drop body fat is maybe just as prevalent, if not more prevalent today than it was 15 years ago when I got started on my journey, for example. So do you think the big thing is information, is it application? What do you think the missing link is as to why people are still struggling to drop body fat? Man, I think it's a big cesspool 
of everything. These corporations lie with their ingredients. It'll say sugar-free, but then if you don't know how to read the ingredient label, we'll have sucralose, fructose, we'll have sugar on the back of it. So people are really, a lot of people are actually doing their best and they're just being lied to, which it should be illegal. And then two, there's a million different ways to lose weight. You know, like, just like when you first started, when I first started, I was like, how do people do keto and lose weight? And it doesn't work for other people. How do people do paleo, Atkins, intermittent fasting, all these different types of eating? Like, why is it working for some people and working for other people? And man, it took me like eight years to really figure it out. Like I almost reverse, I almost had to reverse engineer it. Like I learned it from the micro level to the macro level. So then when I learned the macro side, I was like, oh, dude, this is way easier than I thought it was. So, and I'll say this too, the, the, the holy grail of fitness is body composition. So it is also, you know, losing weight, but a lot of times people will lose muscle mass in the same time and hormones are involved as well. So a lot of people, if they lose 10 pounds on the scale, they're losing six pounds of fat, but four pounds of muscle. So they look the same, like they have the same body composition. They're just smaller and they're just like, man, why is this not working? Like, why, not, why do I not look like this? So the key really is to target fat loss. That's, that's the key. That's the holy grail. And that's what we teach people. And we have, I call these the three essential elements of success with our clients. First is total calories. We put them in the healthy deficit. We find that number for them. We put them, depends on how much body fat they have. You know, like the guys that lost 60 pounds, like we put him a thousand calories under because he's got so much fat, like his body can use that energy. Fat is just stored energy. So he dropped it quick. He'll never gain it back. Um, so the first one is that healthy, sustainable deficit. That's the first one. The second one is protein. You know, I think the FDA's recommended daily amount is like body weight times 0.3. Like that's so low man, that's not even close, which is minimum. I'll have people at 0.65 times their body weight. 0.65 to 0.85 is where we'll have people. So the first one is calories. That's grams per pound, right? Yeah, correct. You got it. Um, and then the third one is resistance training. You know, in terms of body composition, people have to do some form of resistance training. And it really doesn't matter what they do. Like, bro, they could go do push-ups. And that's enough stimulus to create uh, growth hormone secreted at that specific spot to maintain muscle mass and then force the body to pull that reserve energy because they're in the deficit from fat. And that's the key right there. That's the three essential elements of success. And what I'll have my, a lot of my guys do and some of my ladies too, is we'll have them intermittent fast. So if we have them intermittent fast, that's like jet fuel to, you know, fat burning for them. So it's almost the four essential elements of success, but we really keep it at three. Yeah, let's touch on that intermittent fasting piece as well. I see it in the work and the content that you create that you are a very, very big supporter in intermittent fasting. What is it about intermittent fasting that's so special for you and the clients you work with? It is the fastest way to get into ketosis. No pun intended. You know, and ketosis is when you get into fat burning. And, you know, they have the medical system has what is called metabolic syndrome, which is total BS. Like anytime somebody is labeled syndrome, anything, that's the medical system saying we have no idea what this is. So all metabolic flexibility is metabolic syndrome is your body's ability to go from burning sugar to burning fat. It's the body. It's the, the, the liver's 
ability to talk, to start producing ketones. And that's the magical moment. So people can do it. There's a, there's a million different ways to slice this up. Keto, you can do it through keto, but it may take people, you know, a few days, a week to get into ketosis. But if the reason I like fasting so much, one, there's so many longevity health benefits to it, but then two, it's the fastest way to get your body into burning fat. And all, all fasting is, is it's a time restricted window of eating. So it's really not even a diet. My guys had lost over hundred pounds. They said, Lee, I want to be aggressive. And I said, all right, let's do it. So I had them intermittent fast and do keto. So we kind of stacked those two eating styles, eating philosophy, and they just, man, melted fat off. Have you got any words of awareness for people who maybe want to get started on something like that? Because I imagine it's not just something you pick up as of tomorrow and going into ketosis is probably something that, I mean, first of all, how do you even measure that they're in ketosis? Uh, a lot of times people will get kind of cold. Like when you cut your body, you'll kind of shiver, you know, and they could do ketone strips, they could pee on it. But a lot of people don't care. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like we make it so simple that if they, if they ask a question like that, then I would say, yeah, sure. We can, I don't, I personally don't like care too much about that. And I don't even tell my clients like, Hey, we're going to start measuring your ketones unless they want to. You know, that's kind of like next level stuff. Most people just want to lose weight, man. And they want to put in the least amount of work possible. Don't we all, right? Like we just want to, the easiest way to get there. So what, what people need to do is if they, are you asking like if they want to start intermittent fasting or just kind of getting this whole weight loss journey? Was it both questions? Pretty much both. I would say the main one is in terms of if they're getting started on intermittent fasting. Yeah, perfect. So technically, like people want to be super technical after about 12 hours is when your body will shift into ketosis. And that is when people really need to go like 16 hours. Cause then once you go 12, you need that little window of about four hours of fat burning and then you can eat again. So I don't even have people count like that. Like, so I'm saying we make it so simple. I have people count the moment they wake up. So the moment they wake up, no calories for the first four to six hours, black coffee, tea, they even got to watch out for these energy drinks. Cause you know, like I said, these energy drinks will have sugar in it, specifically sucralose. And that's kind of next level stuff. Cause it with sugars present, it spikes insulin, even though it has zero calories. So we teach people how to do it. The first thing people want to start intermittent fasting, no calories for the first four to six hours when they wake up, that's the easiest way to do it. So if somebody wakes up at 6am, no calories to at least 10. And then just go on your merry way. Do you find a big difference between those who do that approach or those who just remain in a calorie deficit? Because if I'm completely honest, when I've worked with people in the past as well, they might be big breakfast people and they want to make sure that they're having their breakfast every single day. It just doesn't suit them. They feel anxious without food in the morning and it just suits them to have maybe an eating window that starts a little bit earlier. And personally, in my experience, I've not seen a major difference between those who maybe fast in the morning and those who are just in a calorie deficit generally speaking they end up with the same results whether or not they go into ketosis or fast so have you found a big difference between those who fast and those who just remain in that same calorie deficit the biggest difference are the longevity uh, benefits of fasting that's the biggest difference of getting into autophagy getting all the sugar out of the brain you know there there's a lot of stuff coming out now where like dementia is just too much sugar in the brain too much sugar in the body is type 2 diabetes things like that so your, to answer your question is yes, it's equal, but there's massive longevity benefits to fasting. And some people I think need that energy in the morning. Like I work with a lot of CEOs, a lot of C-suite executives, and 
man, those guys need it. Like they have, they because your your brain takes up thirty percent of your calories. You know, just thinking. So a lot of those guys actually do need it. And the technical definition of fasting is being in a caloric deficit for an extended period of time. Like that's really what a fast is. And there's different ways to do it. There's people that can do alternate day fasting. You could eat, you know, your total daily calories one day, not eat the next day, you know, things like that. A five by two is another one where you eat normal Monday through Friday. And then the weekends, two days, you eat, I think it's like three to 500 calories of that for those two days. So there's a, there's a lot of different ways to do it. OMAD, one meal a day. I like it because there's, I, I personally feel so clear headed when I'm fasting. I'm a little bit uncomfortable and I like that because it makes me more productive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just a case of determining which benefits you want to get from it. And you mentioned autophagy as well. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? I don't think that actually is a concept that we've discussed on the show yet. Do you know a lot about autophagy? Yeah, man. Autophagy is self-devour. Like our bodies, man, will detox itself. Like it'll, our bodies, our body, we've been on this planet for who knows how long. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden we think we need to eat like five meals a day when I've read you know, stories about the Native Americans eating like six pounds of a buffalo and then not eating for a week, like something like just crazy. The Mongols, you know, with Genghis Khan, when they killed everybody in the world, pretty much, um, they fed their warriors meat and then they wouldn't eat for long periods of time. So autophagy is when your body is literally detoxing itself. Your gut is actually going to get a break. And, you know, it takes a lot of energy to break down food. That's that metabolic thermal effect of food, which, you know, takes energy. So when your body, when your gut doesn't have the energy, your body can use it for other places. That's why you have the cognitive performances when you're fasting. That's why people are more energetic. And, you know, once you get through that initial hunger of the hormone ghrelin, the hunger hormone, once that goes down, growth hormone secretes, like you can build a lot of muscle fasting too. Like it's, it's crazy. It's insane. So the main benefit to uh, autophagy is the detoxification, you know, because we have probably billions and billions of dead cells floating around in your body, you know, dust. That's why you have dust because it's dead skin cells. You know, think about that internally. It takes, I don't want to say this, I think it's eight months for your skin to fully regenerate. It's like six months for your liver to fully regenerate. And those cells are living organisms that are dying and then regenerating. So where do those dead cells go? If you're not fasting of some sort is just going to float around. So that's when your body can come in and actually clean it up and you'll just be super healthy. And how long does it take for autophagy to kick in? Is it during that fast? Does it take, I think I've heard before that it might take up to like a 24 hour period of time. Do you know exactly when that's going to kick in? I think 18 hours. I think it's 18 hours is when that kicks in. But I also think that depends on like how much food you had. Like, let's say, you ate like 10,000 calories and then you go 18 hours, like your body's probably still digesting that food, you know? So I think it, it's got something to do with the amount of food, but I don't know the answer, you know, off the top of my head for that. But I do know, I am a huge fan of 48 hour fast. I will say that because 48 hour fast is when you're not getting any muscle wasting. So it is true once you go past 48 hours, that is when your body can start to pull energy from amino acids out of your muscle. So if somebody just wanted to have just a pure gut reset, 
retain their muscle mass, still go and lift heavy, still get that growth hormone spike, and just pure fat burn, 48 hours is, is beautiful. Yeah, definitely try with caution, but it's not a bad idea for people to probably get started on a decent fast in terms of hours, then probably work up to that 48 hours, I should imagine. Yeah, yeah, definitely start with intermittent fast, you know, go 12 to 16, you know, then go 17, 18. You know, then go 20 and then, and then they'll build their confidence, man. It's, it's like putting reps in, in the gym, you know, you, you get on, you hop on the bench press, you know, you didn't start bench pressing 225 pounds day one. Like you probably started with like 95 pounds, you know, and then you get up to the, the big plates, the 45, 135, you know, you put the reps in, it's the same way. Our body adapts, bro. It's so crazy. Like it adapts to whatever you tell it to do. Just like if you sit on the couch all day, it's going to adapt. It's going to get really good at sitting on the couch. Yeah, absolutely. And with that being said, obviously, we go through these core principles of finding the right calorie balance, putting the protein in a good place, making sure that we're training and doing some form of resistance training, and then potentially intermittent fasting on top of that as well. That's a pretty valuable formula to success. But I imagine many people have heard that formula before, but still haven't got the results that they're after. What's the missing piece thereafter that stops people from potentially getting results? Because if realistically, if anyone, everyone followed that, they would see some results. But at some point, they might run into a plateau. At some point, they might not be able to maintain that level of consistency. How do you get people through that stage of initially seeing the results and then pushing forward so that it becomes a long-term change? The only reason they wouldn't get results is one, if they're eating too many calories. That's why we got to track those calories, the first essential element of success. And then two, they might not be eating enough protein. Like protein is essential. Like you got to have the essential amino acids. That's why you got to have it. And then the third one is if they're lifting, if they're doing some type of resistance training, then they're going to force their body to pull from stored energy, which is fat. So I've been doing this so long. Like I know if we're not getting at least a half pound of fat loss per week at minimum, then I know something's off. Like I know they're they're more than likely they're probably eating a little too too many too much calories. So you know it's a it's a funny example. I had a, a guy not too long ago who was he's like I've plateaued and he basically said he was like Lee I've plateaued man I'm like bro you have not plateaued. I'm like all right what have you changed? You've changed something. What's going on? And he's like oh yeah I did go through Dunkin' Donuts and get you know, this like some type of caramel latte that's just chocked full of sugar. And it's just crazy, man, because because those those are the three essential elements, man. If they're off on one of them, then they're not going to get those results. And I'll inspire them to keep getting those results. And then it, it turns into a game. It's like, how much fat can you lose? How much stronger are you getting in the gym? Because you do need to get stronger in the gym, you know. So if we're combining these three things, then we are legitimately targeting fat loss and building lean muscle at the exact same time. So obviously, if everyone has those few components in place, another biggest aspect I can imagine is mindset. Where does mindset fall into the equation of someone's fat loss journey? Everything. It's everything. I literally give these steps on my Instagram, on YouTube. I tell people exactly how to find that healthy deficit on their calories. I tell people exactly how to find that protein. I have meals, man. I have workouts, everything. I can give people all the tools they need, but it's their mindset, bro. Like that's what it is. The hard part's consistency. That's the hard part because we all have vices. 
We all have vices. One of my personal worst vices in the world was I used to smoke a lot of weed. And when I would smoke weed, I would go destroy my pantry, dude, like destroy it. I would eat a week's worth of calories and I would still train, but that always kept me at like that 15% body fat. But once I removed that vice, you know, I got that out. And when that impulse would come in and I just resisted it from that mental mindset, that's when things started to change. Because another big part of losing weight is one pound of fat is about 3,500 calories. So if we put you at a 400 calorie deficit for a week and you do good on six days, but then that one day you get drunk, you go and eat your nachos, and then you eat 5,000 calories in that one day, you just undid the whole week. So that's that's all it takes. That's why consistency is so important. That's why mindset is so important. Literally, people have to channel the warrior archetype because a lot of these people have grown up like that they've been programmed as kids to celebrate to eat cake you know they've their whole life has been uh based around food so they have to eat this they have to eat that and then when they have that and you remove that like they're like oh like this is awkward this is super uncomfortable i don't know what to do and that's where uh, as a coach comes in and i truly believe like i'll tell people what to do all day like it's no secret. I tell people this all the time, but their ability to adhere to it is the real test. And people are really tested when they have that impulse. So, you know, for me, when I was, you know, smoking my weed and eating my, my gummy bears, chalked up a THC, and then I was ordering my pizza or whatever, that impulse came in typically on like a Saturday because I would work all week. I'd be kind of tired. And it took a lot of self-reflection for me to figure that out. Like, why am I doing this to myself? Like, why do I keep doing this? And it's because one, when I was a kid, I, I did that as a kid. But then two, it was also weekly time. I had, I had trained my body to crave that at the end of the week. You know, just like a lot of people live on the weekends, you know, the week ends were weak there. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, that, the mindset is the most important part. And what are some big tips that you have for people for cultivating the type of mindset? You mentioned channeling their inner warrior archetype. You mentioned recognizing and basically having some self-awareness around why you trained yourself into wanting to live into these vices across the course of the weekends and everything along those lines. What are some big tips that people can take away from the mindset side of things when it comes to their fat loss journey? They got to find their vices. That's number one. Like if you don't know what your vice is and you're just unconsciously rumbling and bumbling around, you're never going to reach your goal. And that's with anything, you know, that doesn't even have to be weight loss. That could be with business. You know, when you first started doing your podcast, you know, you had to really buckle down and sacrifice some stuff like that's what sacrifice is, is to sacrifice now, go through that uncomfortable, like being uncomfortable now to reap the rewards later. So if people don't know what their vices are, then they're never going to figure it out. And the way people find out what their vices are is through regret. Anything a person regrets is their soul's way of telling them to stop. If you overeat, we all know when we're overeating. And then when you're done, you regret that. That is literally your soul, higher power, trying to tell you to stop doing what you're doing like that is how we navigate life so when you start removing these vices based on the things that you regret then you will accelerate forward and that's what baggage is like so when you start getting rid of baggage then you can actually 
move. You know, a lot of people are trying to go 100 miles an hour, but they have 100 pounds on their back, literally. And then they just never reach their goal. They're just spinning their wheels. They're staying stuck, even though they're trying, trying, trying. They're still, you know, victims to their vice. You got to get rid of the vice and regret is how you can find out what the vice is. And then you got to remove that. So in order to move forward, it's actually about removing things and then you can accelerate and move. So step one is discovering that vice and step two is obviously removing that. What are the next steps after that? Because some people I find are very, very good at just clicking their fingers, recognizing what something is, reaching that tipping point and saying, okay, enough is enough. And maybe that was part of your story with the weed. You have to let me know. But that does tend to be the case for a lot of people. But others, on the other hand, find it incredibly difficult to let go of something. You know, maybe they grew up with alcohol in the house and it's kind of been the most consistent thing. Like you said, a lot of people learn to celebrate with food as well. So it's something that they can't step away from. Have you got any advice for those who are trying to remove those vices? Yes, they're feeling the guilt. Yes, they're feeling the regret afterwards, but that doesn't stop them from going back. Hire a coach. Like that's that's the fastest way. Like if you really want to get from point A to point B, and I'm not just saying because I'm a coach either. I'm saying if you want to, if you want to go somewhere and somebody has what you want like i couldn't tell you how many people say lee i want to look like you I'm like all right well you got to do what i do then you know and then they can do it for a week you know but the the thing is is hire a coach because when you invest like literally when you pay money you will be much more incentivized to actually adhere to what that coach is going to tell you to do like that that's the number one thing hire a coach hire a trainer Get a meal plan from somebody that actually knows what they're doing because they will get you from point A to point B and at exceptional speed. If people never actually invest into themselves, their own personal development, and it's free, you know how things are free. Like it's not worth anything. You know, like like you anybody can go on YouTube and get free workout plans and free meal plans, but they didn't they didn't actually invest into it. But you pay a couple thousand dollars for that nutritionist to write you a meal plan, then you're more than likely going to adhere to it because you're actually invested into it. So invest, you have to invest. You have to do it. Otherwise, like you're not going to be incentivized to do it. Yeah, it's powerful. And I think a lot of people have that experience with taking on a free plan or a free X, Y, or Z and just really not taking it as seriously as when they put their own money on the line. And it's not even a case of saying, okay, I'm paying for this. But like I said, it's that mindset switch of I am investing in myself here. And trying to really go down that path of saying, okay, this is an investment in me. And that comes with a whole lot of new eye-opening discoveries as well in the sense that, okay, this is the first time I might have invested into myself. So this is a big step for me as well. So I'm going to take it seriously because I know what can be on the other side of that as well. So I, I like that piece on investing in yourself and also not looking at, okay, it's just an exchange of I'm paying this to get this result, but it's genuinely something that's going to prosper beyond the initial coaching stage as well. I think that's the big thing to recognize. It's not about what it did in that moment. It's what it does way beyond that as well. And something that ties into this, and I saw on one of your posts, is that you, meant, you mentioned that your ego is the reason why you're overweight. What did you mean by that when you said it? Ego, man. Ego is comfort. Like, that's what our ego is. Like, so when we can destroy our ego, that we can destroy basically all of our vices. Like Mike, Mike Tyson said, he had a famous, or I don't know if it's famous, but a really good quote where he said, like, if somebody disrespected me, I, I would get really upset. But then when I realized I was nobody, like it didn't bother me. Like that's what it is. Our ego, it's it's our barrier of how we identify as ourselves. So 
if you don't identify as a podcaster, then then that wouldn't work out very well, you know, and people self-identify as a lot of things. They self-identify as eating food. Like when you remove that, then it's like, holy shit, I actually don't need food. I can just fast a little bit, you know, so the ego, it's good and it's bad, you know, and, and that's really what I meant by a lot of the ego stuff. Like I have a pretty big ego. I have a coach and there's healthy fear. Like if I don't do what he said, tells me to do, then I'm a bit afraid. Like I'm a, he's, he's, he's intense. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's the, it's the hero's journey. Really. We have to hear the call. We have to accept the call. Then we have to go into our mind. We have to literally destroy ourselves mentally on who we are, what we want to do. We have to recreate that new person that we want to be. And then we can recreate a new ego, a new personality, you know, personal reality, and then become that elevated person of higher consciousness and that, you know, our best self we want to be. Yeah, that's huge. And personal development has been woven into this conversation. Do you have personal development practices that you lean on a day-to-day basis and that you also incline, encourage your clients to do when they're going through Fowler's journeys? Yes. Wake up early. You have to win the morning because if, if you don't win the morning, then your whole day is messed up. So I'm a big believer in waking up early. The two hardest things in the world are dieting, eating, like in a calorie deficit, saying no to the cupcakes when somebody brings the cupcakes to the office or your kid has a birthday party, saying no, and then waking up early. Those are the two hardest things in the world. And those morning times are sacred, especially for guys. Like I feel like we guys, we really need to get up, get our mindset right, get our energy right, elevate ourselves. And then, and then we can present ourselves in the best way possible. So I call it stacking wins. You know, when you get out of bed at whatever, 4, 4.35, whatever, whatever is early for the individual, earlier than what's comfortable. When you get up and you're tired and your bed is warm and cozy and you just want to stay in there, but you get up, that's a win. And then you get up and you read, you know, a personal development book. That's another win. Then you get up and maybe you do some sit-ups or some push-ups. That's a third win, you know, and then you have an extra hour. Well, maybe you go ahead and knock out a little bit of work. You know, next thing you know, it's seven o'clock, you have eight wins and the rest of the world is just now waking up. They're getting up, they're groggy. And when you do that, people start to show up at work, looking very presentable, presenting themselves as their best self and people respect that. So then it's noon, and our clients will have 15 wins already versus when they used to wake up, you know, being hungover or just whatever the case is, you know, showing up to work with bed head. So when we stack wins, by the end of the day, you can lay your head down and be like, damn, like I'm a G, bro. Like I just crushed that, crushed it. And then that's how you build confidence. That's why the most confident people in the world say, I'm going to take over. And then they do because they know that they're going to do what they say they're going to do. But on the flip side of that, it's a double edged sword. If you say you're going to do something and then you don't do it, you lie to yourself subconsciously. So then you don't trust yourself. And that's how people destroy their confidence. That's why so many people have no confidence because they say, I'm not going to stop at McDonald's on my way home today from work. And they say it in the morning. And then when the workday is over, when they're getting closer to McDonald's, 
that vice is getting stronger, that impulse is getting stronger, well, then they turn in and they stop at McDonald's. They just lie to themselves. So they have no self-trust. And that's because they tell themselves they're going to do something. They don't do it. So they have to stack those little wins. Like confidence is it's like working out. You got you to put in reps and it takes time. That's it. And it's all built off evidence. That's why I always say it's like building your bank of evidence. You have to prove to yourself time and time again that you are a person that sticks to your word, that you are a person who goes ahead and does the things that they're going to say. Otherwise, if you do say that and you don't actually end up doing it, you're not going to believe yourself. So you're probably not even going to go at it with the same level level of energy and enthusiasm that you would have done because of your mind and your body and everything within you, your aura, your soul just doesn't actually even recognize or realize that it actually is going to do that. So I think that's a big thing as well. It's like start small with what you can genuinely commit to. And I like the idea of going for what's early for you and then start showing up, start showing up, start showing up, and then maybe make it a little bit progressively more harder and then get to a point where you're like, okay, well now I've, like you said, stacked those ones in the morning. I've done it time and time again. And then you're literally like, well, what else can I do after this? If I'm being able to show up for so many days, especially when this was considered very, very hard for me as well. So you mentioned winning the morning, you mentioned reading, maybe doing a little bit of working out as well. Any other personal development practices that you think are absolutely key? Early to bed, early to rise, man. Uh, a big one is just being consistent, having a routine. Like I feel like a routine is critical. Routines are critical. You know, like I said, wake up early, hit those non-negotiables, hit those every single day. Surround yourself with like-minded people. The Bible says where two or more are, you know, I am. So if you have two or more people on the same journey as you, that's why community is so big. Like if you have more than one person all on the same journey, then you can lean into those people when you are feeling a little weaker, you are feeling a little bit down because that group vibe will elevate you. You know, when I, when I lived in LA, I remember I worked out at Gold's Gym, Venice, the Mecca of bodybuilding for the first time. And I was dog tired, like, like double scooping pre-workout. This was years ago, man. And uh, I remember I walked in there. I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do what I can. The moment I walked in there, bro, there was so many beasts in there that vibe was this was my first experience that vibe was so high dude i crushed that workout and that was because the energy of the building everybody in there was crushing it music was blasting all that good stuff so surround yourself with people that are going to elevate you that's a big one right there because if we're surrounded by losers then it's going to be very very hard to get rid of that I couldn't tell you how many friends I've had to let go over the years when I quit partying, quit drinking. I have destroyed myself. I'm very capable of starting to drink and ended up in a ditch because I will try to find as many drugs as possible. Like that's just my personality. So I have to channel that into something positive, into something productive. And for me, it's it's something stimulating like this. This is very stimulating for me. You know, the old Lee would have been doing something that's not good because I'd be bored. So surround yourself with positive, like-minded people on the same path. That's absolutely, that's essential, man. It's huge. Yeah, I love that. I think it's huge. And maybe can we go through some things that you would say are potentially undetected at times, a lot of people do them, that we should be avoiding as well. Like it's quite often a case of not just adding things into your life, but it's also, as you mentioned earlier, it's about removing those things like those vices. Is there anything that you see 
people tripped up by time and time again, which is maybe a little bit under the surface. They don't necessarily realize it at first, but it's something that you see and you're like, I wish that people would see this sooner so that they could get the progress that they are capable of achieving. Yeah, their self-talk. Mm. Like the way people talk to themselves. Like most people talk so bad to themselves. Like if you were to get in the mind of somebody that's depressed and sad, it's the most selfish person in the world. When, when I lived in LA, I was essentially homeless. I was just such a victim. You know, why is it not working out? Like F this guy, you know, what, like screw that guy. And when you, when you talk negatively about yourself, I believe in karmic debt and karmic debt. If, if I hurt a person and then whatever, let's just say somebody upsets me and then I lash out at them, the way we can measure karmic debt is through time. So like, how bad did I feel bad about that? Like, was it an hour? Was it three hours? Depending on how bad you hurt that other individual with whatever it is, you're going to pay with time. And then that's going to lower your personal vibration like you're gonna feel bad and then you're gonna attract those lower level thoughts so self-talk is probably the number one thing like anytime somebody has a, a negative thought come in here's an exercise i'll have people do i had one guy that just could not stop destroying his refrigerator at the end of the night like just couldn't do it so i had him get a rubber band and anytime he had that thought of I'm gonna, that impulse that he's been doing since he's been a kid of wanting to go and like, oh, it's like just he had he had just a lot of stuff. I would have him pull the band and it would come back and it would hit him. And I wanted it to hurt. Like some people need physical feedback. And then that would like that'd be a pattern interrupt, it's like taking a cold shower. It's going to it's going to it's going to take your brain to the present moment. And then you have to declare something new like I will not eat the refrigerator tonight so that is a, a real awesome exercise for people is to get a rubber band put it around the wrist and if they have any type of limiting belief that comes in then they pull it hit themselves make it hurt and then they declare a new better version of themselves of what they want to accomplish like whatever that is so self-talk is the number one and to my point of that when i was talking about hurting other people if it, you can hurt yourself by having really bad self-talk. Even if you're not hurting other people, if you talk bad to yourself, you're gonna feel bad about yourself. So that's why we always have, we have to be very, very careful about the way that we talk to ourselves. Even if we're not hurting other individuals, even if we are hurting ourselves, then that's gonna lower our vibe. I, I truly believe, you know, Nikola Tesla was right, you know, with, you know, frequencies, vibrations, all that good stuff. You know, we're energetic beings out here, so. You know, if we elevate our frequency, our human vibration. Have you ever seen the uh, human vibration chart? No, I don't think I have. So shame is the lowest. Somebody's shameful. That's the lowest vibe on the planet. So if somebody, when I would smoke the weed and, and literally order pizza, and I would be so ashamed that I would close the lights. I want nobody to see what I was doing. That's the lowest vibe. Sometimes I've done this in the past, is if I have somebody that can't stop, and I don't like to do this because I'm a nice guy, but I know it's going to help them. I will literally insult them. Like I will make them so mad because anger is actually a higher vibration than shame. So that's what they do a lot with uh, psychology is if I can make you mad, 
then you will actually, and, you, and I'm sure this has happened before with you, where you get pissed off about something and you're like, you know, F that guy, man, I'm going to go show him. And then you go actually do it. I've done that to two people in my career and it works. I don't like to do that, but if I have to, I will. And then they thank me later. They thank me like a year later, like Lee, thank you so much, man, that those words helped me. But at the time they didn't like me. That's why I don't like to do it. Cause I, I do know that it hurts them, but I know that it increases their vibration and actually gets them to make a move to the positive. Yeah, no, that's big. Cause I think that anytime you think of someone who's in that position of shame or maybe they are a little bit depressed, they're maybe feeling sorry for themselves in that victim mentality, there's no movement, right? There's no activation energy. Whereas when you do pull anger out of someone, like you said, they are then looking to be like, well, how do I prove this guy wrong? Or even though anger probably isn't the most valuable emotion to dictate your actions off of, it does move, right? It does make you move and do something, right? So I think that, like you mentioned, if you can channel it in the right person, then maybe that's what they need just because they're kind of heavily sedated in themselves and they're not really moving anywhere. And I think it can be a powerful aspect as well. So yeah, that was really insightful. And I like that as well. Lee, this has been an awesome conversation. I've got a couple of final questions for you. And the first one I have is what impact do you want to have on the world with the work that you do? I want to make the world a happier and healthier place, man. Like that's what it's all about, you know? And I, I truly believe it starts with our body. Our body is a temple. You know, we are vibrational beings and, we, you know, energy is everything. And all life is, is energy exchanges. Like if you get stuck in the elevator with somebody, if you can feel their energy, like you're close enough to feel if they're in a good mood or a bad mood or something like that, it's just all energy exchanges. So if I can get people healthier, give them the tools, they will be happier beings, healthier beings. They will make a positive impact on the world. And that's really what it's all about. It's just really about helping people because a lot of people are just they're ignorant to, like I said, a lot of the nutritional stuff and even these corporations lie. So that's that's the mission, man, is to educate people, give people the tools, get them healthy. I couldn't tell you how many people is like, Lee, your program changed my life. Like, I, man, that's what it's all about for me is genuinely helping people, getting people fit, getting people strong mentally and just fit for any task yeah i love that too i really do and where is the best place for people to find you if they want to keep up with the work that you're doing youtube youtube's a big one it's you know lee mawson l-e-e-m-a-a-s-e-n instagram is the same thing lee mawson uh anybody can check out our website it's elu fits e-l-u fit of course it's www.elufit.com and yeah, people can email me, Lee at Elufit. But those are the two big ones are YouTube and Instagram. And of course, like I message people every single day and I help people as much as I can. Amazing. We'll make sure all of that is in the show notes below. But Lee, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today, buddy. Hey, appreciate you, Elliot. Thank you, bro. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.